This is the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, created by the team of Becker's Healthcare, a multimedia company devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. Four new 15-minute episodes are released daily, containing industry news, analysis, and thought leadership from powerful healthcare decision makers. Support our show by leaving it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or other platforms you use. It's a chance to tell us what you like about the show and act on your feedback. Thanks for listening. Now here's the episode. Welcome back to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast, devoted to the people who power U.S. healthcare. I'm Molly Gamble with Becker's and delighted to have you join us for another episode filled with insights from healthcare leaders. Today from Dr. Scott Nygaard, COO of Lee Health. Scott, welcome to the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. How are you today and where does the podcast find you? Uh, Molly, I'm doing well. I'm in my office at work in Fort Myers, Florida at Lee Health and uh, I'm glad to be a guest today. Well, thank you very much for joining us. You know, for our listeners who might be less familiar with Lee Health, Scott, can you share a few key facts about the system just so they can re-familiarize or better appreciate your perspective today? Sure. So um, Lee Health is a public uh, health system, one of uh, 28 that uh, reside in uh, Florida. Um, We're about $3 billion in net patient service revenue. We have um, four adult hospitals, two specialty hospitals, which one is pediatrics, One's a rehab hospital. We have about a thousand um, providers. We provide skilled nursing facilities. So really, uh, a broad spectrum of services across our entire um, community. And you and I are connecting in a moment where we're just beginning a new year, and this is a time I've noticed this a lot with media and with news, and there's a lot of forward-looking projections and forecasts and predictions. But I also think it's such a great time to take a moment to reflect. And on the year that has already transpired, I'm curious, what would you point to as the most significant or or meaningful change that Lee Health experienced or underwent this past year in in 2023? So I would say last year for us, the biggest event we had was uh, Hurricane Ian, which uh, significantly disrupted our community and um, created lots of hardship for both our own workforce. We had about 1,400 people who pretty much lost everything um, that they owned um, due to the hurricane and the surge that occurred. Um, We had the normal challenges that everybody else did with labor costs um, and uh, challenges of cost management, supply chain, uh, et cetera. So nothing else unusual that that way. Um, And at the same time, it was an opportunity for significant um, growth. We saw a lot of growth in surgical services, which is a little bit different than the larger market. A lot of that was due to improved efficiencies and our scheduling and availability of block time across our uh, operating rooms. And Hurricane Ian, I mean, when you share those statistics, 1,400 employees losing everything they own, I mean, what are the immediate challenges and disruptions that poses to an organization like Lee Health? Did you see greater turnover because people left the area and relocated? Or can you walk us through some of those, those immediate changes yeah. that you experienced? Yeah, so we had a host of impacts, everything from, you know, very emotional and traumatic kind of uh, disruption to people's um, personal lives, um, issues with transportation as a lot of people lost um, vehicles, housing as people had to relocate and find um, new places to live. Some people have come to the realization that they're not going to be able to even, you know, replace what they had and uh, had to relocate. Um, Challenges of people coming to our market um, because of the availability of housing and issues. So even um, we're a market that has to import labor um, due to our demographics to really be successful long term. And so more challenges in finding people affordable housing, um, which has been a long term challenge in this market, but um, was made worse by the hurricane. 
Mm-hmm. I think it's really important to talk about and to think about because so often you see when those natural disasters occur, you know, you zoom in on the immediate and short-term operations of health systems and hospitals. So service disruptions, what's running, what's down, but not enough time really Sky spent on the long-term effects like that, or even the midterm effects um, when it comes to the employee workforce and, and how they are affected in those disasters. So um, I, I think that's something we would want to stay with too, just to better understand how organizations do that mid and long-term recovery from those types of events. Yeah, I think we took a very broad-based approach and tried to, you know, do all we could to support our um, staff. Um, in many cases, people who were at the hospital, by the way, I don't think they missed a beat in terms of providing wow. service in our community. So that was pretty amazing and speaks to um, the commitment of our people uh, in terms of commitment to the profession and to uh, service to our community. Um, despite their own personal hardships, many people were separated from their families during that time while they were, you know, staffing our, our various um, facilities. So um, really kudos to all of them for um, staying in the game. And, um, you know, the longer-term effects, I think, are ones of um, stress. I know when we've had uh, the forewarning of storms, people became somewhat more anxious and more um, distressed, realizing that, you know, could we go through another episode like this and what would that mean for our our community? So we did a lot of initiatives on uh, wellness and resilience. I'm trying to support our staff just – and additional financial assistance where we could in terms of replacement of deductibles and things for vehicles and things that were lost during the storm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a really important change and, you know, change can mean many things, but to Lee Health, that's certainly Hurricane Ian in 2023. It sounds like there's been a lot of effects and that the organization has been doing its best to support those employees um, looking ahead, Scott, I, I wanted to turn to some lawmakers' efforts in Florida. You know, late in the year yeah. in 2023, there was a big proposal, and there's still pieces of legislation coming out under this big umbrella of a proposal of health care laws for the state's next legislative session. Uh, you know, one that has been of interest to our readers are some measures in which hospitals would redirect patients from hospital emergency rooms for to prevent future ED visits, so not violating MTALA, but redirecting them for future needs that might be emergent um, or connecting them with primary care physicians. And you can speak to the legislation if there's any reactions you want to share, but I was curious more, you know, operationally, what are you seeing with Lee Health's emergency departments and ERs? Um, what do you see as the greatest issues or challenges in this space of the healthcare delivery system? Yeah, I, I think the usual challenges that we face are those others face in terms of um, capacity management. Um, and a lot of that doesn't have to do directly with the ED, though people get um, stuck in the ED while you're trying to kind of improve the flow and throughput in our hospitals. Um, we've spent a lot of time trying to work on um, better placement. But uh, just like we talked about the hurricane dim and, you know, and impacts on our own organization, it also impacted a lot of our skilled nursing facilities, some that have never reopened. Um, creating, you know, more capacity problems for flow and throughput. So then the ED ends up, you know, kind of becoming the bottleneck in which people um, start to pile up. Um, We've significantly expanded any number of different services and access points to offload some of that capacity to other places, um, targeted marketing and efforts to our community to make them aware of other locations and services, be that, you know, telehealth or urgent cares or you know, a primary care office, um, giving them more access to scheduling on their own, doing things that would create more access. But access even in the community, um, as we know across the country, remains 
a challenge, particularly in primary care. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you talk about those efforts to help educate the community, I've seen that too here in the Chicagoland area, whether it's billboards or different materials and um, even on bus stops, I've seen ads that help people understand the difference between what is perhaps a case for the emergency room, what more so for urgent care. But then I think too about when you are experiencing a health episode or have a health need, sometimes those delineations can get really fuzzy. Um, if you're anxious, if you're scared, Scott, have you seen one of those efforts to re- help people better redirect themselves prove most effective? Is there anything that stands out to you as especially helpful for people in the community? I, I think, you know, that like everything else takes time um, for people to become comfortable with um, some self-triage, be it, you know, either contacting somebody in the healthcare system or just even redirecting um, themselves. One impact I would say we've seen where people are accessing this more is a partnership we have with Dispatch Health with just like a home urgent care visit, especially for families uh, with children and stuff. I think there's been a lot more use and access of that service just from both the convenience travel and not having to transport everybody and wait um, in the emergency room. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of those things, as you say, are just kind of quelling people's anxiety and letting them know that, you know, they can still get um, appropriate service and care. Could be through a telehealth visit. We did offer some of those things free during peak times just to encourage people to use them, even to offload uh, some of the capacity from our EDs. Um, So it's a combination of things, I think, that, you know, you have to work with your community to uh, educate them. Of course, we've ran various ads at the airport for people coming through um, and traveling into our area who may not be familiar with all the services. Mm, Smart airports. And the partnership with Dispatch Health, you mentioned the home urgent care visits, are those typically able to be delivered on the same day? Yeah, we try to get those uh, addressed and scheduled on the same day. So um, recognizing that there's a more urgent need that somebody needs to be that's great. You know, I, I wanted to turn to you a bit, Scott, too, for our listeners, because you, you joined Health, Lee Health in 2010. And in that time, you've worn many hats, um, now including your role as COO. Can you tell us about some of the other leadership roles you've held with the system and how they've really come back to inform your point of view as the COO today? So it's been an interesting journey at Lee Health for me. I, I came and it was a very, uh, I came as the CMO um, of the medical group, which at the time was only about 70 um, providers, physicians and advanced providers. Um, today, that group's a little bit over a thousand. Um, we're about eight locations. We're now 90 plus um, locations. So I think you learn a lot through the process of growth and recognizing uh, as the system's changing, you know, what made you successful in the beginning isn't going to make you successful over time, learning more about um, delegation and uh, trying to uh, hold other leaders accountable and making uh, initiatives and expectations clear to others, um, recognizing that you really can't do everything as a system kind of grows. Um, in net revenue, our system's grown about 300 and a little over 300% in the last uh, almost 12 years. So pretty significant um, growth. I would say the other thing, I've spent a lot more time, obviously, you know, just you dig into the operations a lot more, the financial areas in the chief operating role and, um, you know, trying to make sure that we're clear about uh, a balanced approach and that we're not losing sight of our mission, um, mm-hmm. despite all the challenges we face. Um, that remains important to who we are and our identity and uh, is critical to, you know, services that um, our community expects us to provide. 
Mm-hmm. Well, the COO role I found I find really interesting in that it can vary pretty significantly from organization to organization, person to person. And there's just a lot of curiosity around this role, given that variation. You also don't see as much compared to personas and roles like the CEO. You know, there, there's not a a lot of magazines, for instance, devoted to COOs, <laughs> as I'm sure you're aware. Yeah. Um, just help our listeners make sure we're staying timely and we're staying up to date on how we think about COOs. Is there anything that was traditionally not really in a COO's purview that has since moved more and more into the scope of your work and responsibility more recently, Scott? So it's interesting in some systems, I know across the country, they've eliminated the COO role thinking, you know, more the CEO would take on the direct uh, day-to-day operations. In our particular um, system, our CEO's role is very externally facing and involved in a lot of the um, issues around both our state and in our community. Um, And that's been for the entire time I've been here. So one unique role that I have that probably wouldn't always be part of a COO's role is responsibility for our uh, formulation of our system uh, strategy and our chief strategy and innovation officer reports me. I certainly coordinate that with our CEO and our um, board of directors, but that's that's something unique. I think most COOs wouldn't have and generally is the purview of the CEO. That is interesting. And when you talk about the formulation of a strategy, how many how many years are you looking out now? Do you operate three, five, ten? Can you talk about that a bit? Because I know for a lot of systems, that's changed where the timeline has been brought a little bit more narrow. Um, ten years can be difficult to plan for. Where do you find yourselves operating in terms of timeline like that? Yeah, I would say we're looking more in the three to five year horizon, um, probably more in the three on the operational issues that are part of our strategy, like the development of uh, service lines. If we were talking about, you know, the replacement or reformulation of a campus with a set of services, um, like we're in the middle of replacing our Lee Memorial Hospital, which is 50 plus years old, um, and relocating a campus and redesigning it around one of our service lines, that's going to be a long-term, you know, investment, obviously, you know, build a hospital with the uh, the idea of exiting it anytime soon. So mm-hmm. um, getting that to appropriate scale based on, you know, demands today, but also in the future. And so some of the challenges around a longer term investment like that are things, uh, are we doing all we can to mitigate, uh, you know, the deployment of capital to a hospital bed. So we've started looking at all these different home services. We mentioned a few today, dispatch, telehealth. Um, I know others have looked, they were in the middle of, uh, beginning to launch a hospital at home program. Again, better care if you can kind of get through the change management for the patient, better quality, better experience, Um, and, you know, avoidability of other uh, complications such as like nosocomial infections that might occur from a hospitalization. Well, Scott, I want to thank you for starting the new year with a perspective from Lee Health for our listeners and myself. Is there anything else you'd like to touch on or close out with as we wind down today? I just uh, would say, Molly, I remain optimistic despite all the challenges uh, we face in healthcare, and uh, I think it's a time for uh, more innovation and to get out of you know kind of the traditional ways of thinking about care delivery and. I'm not sure where that's taking all of us uh, yet, but as we see, you know, more and more digital transformation 
uh, automated intelligence, um, you know, different ways of doing things. Uh, I think we'll see healthcare continue to evolve and change to meet, you know, the consumer's demand. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate your optimism as we start the year ahead, Scott, and I hope we can keep in touch and best understand the challenges and opportunities you're seeing at Lee Health and how you're dealing with what, whatever the year brings us, because we know it'll certainly be an interesting one. It sure will. And thanks for having me today, Molly. I much appreciate it. Best to you. Best to you. Thank you so much. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks, to help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way. Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there. Mm-hmm.